And Lord, it's because of your greatness that we're able to stand here as children of God through faith in Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray for this morning that, God, you would guide us in and through your word. And as you do, Lord, we would just be blessed because we have come. And so bless our fellowship, Father. I just pray that you would speak to us, minister to us in this area that is applicable to all, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn and greet your neighbor. Is the light on? Was that coming through? Oh, okay. It didn't, it didn't sound like it was. Ma'am? Oh, thank you. Did you want to leave your oil? Yeah, that's for up here. It just didn't sound. Okay, yeah. well, that's what I'm used to. <laughs> Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 2. We'll be picking back up at verse 18. And as always, if you arrived here today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along. And there should be one in front of you underneath the seat. But if there isn't, if you raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. Does anybody need a Bible? There's one right there, two right there. Our uh, ladies' Christmas brunch is next week. And my wife gave me a ticket to remind me, to remind you ladies that it's time to sign up. This is the last minute. Today is going to be the last time to sign up. The cost of it is $12, and it has a little tear-off, and um, it's for a raffle. We're going to be raffling off a car. (laughs) A matchbox. (laughs) No, that's going to be a goodie basket, but nonetheless, today is the last day to sign up, so I encourage you to get signed up for that. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. Verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to, to, this, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, to himself, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of our souls." I don't only want to just pray for our study, but also it was brought to my attention some friends of Sal and Lydia's 
uh, their son. He's a six-year-old son. He's got an infection in his brain, and he's going into surgery, and they just asked that I would lift him up. So let's combine these things. Father, I do lift up Adam to you, and I just pray, Lord, as he's going into surgery, pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, Father, and it would work towards an eradication of this infection and work towards a healing. I also pray, Father, for his parents, Lord, that you would be their peace and comfort. But right now, we just lift up this study to you, and once again, we just ask God that you would bless us and speak to us. Make it applicable to each life here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. What we started looking at a couple of weeks ago was a series of submissions that Peter is presenting to the church. Again, it's the church that is about to go through some pretty heavy trials. And the idea is dedication to the Lord and Lord's ways. As you go through the hardship and the trials and tribulations of the day, Peter at this point is in Rome and Nero has already started persecuting the church in Rome and he knows it's coming to the outlying communities. This letter was directed to the churches in Asia Minor or those in the area of modern day Turkey. There's five submissions to sufferings that we'll be looking at, but we're also told in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, that we are to be found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead." And so what we have to consider is, where did Jesus take up his cross? He took up his cross in a very public way out in the world. Now, where are we to take up our cross? We're to take up our cross out in the world. Jesus did it in a public way, so all would look upon him and understand the Messiah that has died for their sins. And the idea for us to take up our cross, that place where we nail our dreams, aspirations, our, our flesh to, is to do it in a public way so that others may look upon us and see something different, see something unique about us that we would give of ourselves that others may come to Christ. And that within itself would be a witness. Jesus, he was struck, but submitted himself to the punishment, undeservingly so, for the sake of others. What are we to do when struck? We are to submit ourselves to the discomfort for the sake of others as well. And again, us being struck, it's to no, in no way comparable to Christ. But we are going to suffer persecutions. We are going to suffer trials. Those things are going to happen. And how you react in the midst of them will set you apart from how the world reacts in the midst of them. The best, one of the best litmus tests of my faith is how I react when trouble enters in. Or even probably worse or, more, or, or harder than that is when something unfair happens. Something that I deem to be not right. And again, we, we want to protect ourselves. We want to take care of ourselves. We want justice and what is just and right and true. But what happens when you're treated unfairly? How do you react then? Are you still able to reflect Jesus Christ? 
the result of the Lord being struck was a flow of blood that represents God's grace and his mercy, his love, and his salvation. What happens when we are struck? Well, we're told here in 1 Peter a couple of weeks ago, chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to have our conduct, conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles, that when they speak evil of us as evildoers, they may, by our good conduct which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And again, it's about that day of visitation. That day that God has set on the calendar of their life that he is going to visit them for the purpose of the gospel. Now, this is, I know, looking at my life, there was multiple days, but each day, each day was important, each day built upon the other. And what I mean by the day, the days that the gospel was, was, was shared to me. All humanity is going to get an opportunity for the gospel. They're going to give an opportunity to be right before a holy God. And it's those who stand before Christ at the great white throne judgment that stand there according to their own righteousness and works will be the ones who are judged. But as much as depends upon us, may we be a unique people. May we be a people who are different than the people out there in the world. And may that difference, even within itself, be portion of the witness that we give. There always has to be the speaking of the word of God, but it's going to be that difference in our personalities or personas that is going to accentuate the word of God. And so again, Peter shows us five scenarios of submission. We've looked at the first two already, submission to God, submission to government. Today, submission in business. Next week, submission in marriage. And then lastly, we'll see submission in general. Why? Because we know God. But more importantly, you are known by God. But more importantly than that, you are known by God as a child of God. And as a child of God, you are to act according to God's commands for us and how we are to present ourselves in this world because how we present ourselves in this world is how we represent God out in the world. And again, as we see this instruction that is given here, 1 Peter is just filled with it. We know how we are to conduct ourselves. His natural child is the Lord Jesus Christ. His adopted children are are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, yes, I know God, I am known by God, and I am known by God as a child of God, and I need to act accordingly. These submissions are five things that are really contrary to our thinking and the way man naturally does things, but we were told in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, that we are to let our minds, in, which are within us, to be that which is also in Christ. Have the same mindset as the Lord Jesus Christ. Have the same priorities that the Lord Jesus Christ has. And as we have these priorities, it's then that we are able to, you're able to stand in the mirror and you're able to see that Christ is, is in me, that Christ has done a work within me and Christ does a work through me. And, and so these are all areas in which Christ does a work through us into this world that is, that is so perishing, that is so contrary to God. Again, every week it just seems to get worse and worse, but we're the ones who are able to make the difference. So we saw submission to God, verse 11 of chapter 2. Beloved, I beg you as soldiers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. 
don't live a life that is governed by that which is contrary to God. And then last time we met, we saw submission to government, this two weeks ago, regardless of all that the dumb Democrats do, regardless of what the wretched Republicans do, or the idiot independents do, and we can have our opinions on all of them, and very rarely does it seem to be a positive opinion, submit to the government. Submit to the government. Why? Simply because we went into depth of this two weeks ago. The government is put there by the hand of God. Everybody whines, everybody complains, but there's something peculiar, peculiar about the person who submits himself. We close with three ways that the Bible tells us to submit to the government honorably before the Lord. We are to do so in prayer. Do you pray for your government? We are to do so by paying taxes, and we are to do so by being socially, politically, especially biblically active in joining them together. Somebody pointed something out to me, I think it was Sean pointed out to me a while ago, that our mayor, we we have close to 170,000 people in the city of Ontario. Our mayor, he won the election, the the mayor, mayor mayor-elect, but anyway, the, the incumbent, that's what I'm trying to say. Incumbent mayor won by, he, he got 5,000 votes, give or take. The second person, I believe, got around 2,000, 2,500, and then there was two other guys that got about 1,200 votes or whatever. And I'm looking at, out of 170,000 people, only 10,000 people voted, at least voted for mayor. And I'm just thinking, man. And you may say, well, I didn't vote because I didn't know anything about it. Well, why didn't you know anything about it? information's out there. I mean, it takes the effort. I mean, how important is this stuff to us? What has God told us to do? Part of our submission is to be active in our government as far as voting and and exercising that which God has spoken to us and doing it outwardly in the election booth. Now, I know not necessarily in the particular case of of, uh, mayor of Ontario, but so many times it seems as if we're voting of the lesser of two evils. But nonetheless, as much as depends upon me, I want Christ to be represented in that election booth. And so we cast our ballot after biblically considering the candidate. And as we do, we're able to have an effect. And so our third scenario is going to be submission in the workplace. Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. What Peter is not condoning here, and Paul speaks on this subject and he's not condoning it neither, the Bible at all does not condone it, but is slavery. But what he's doing is he's speaking to a reality that was in their society of the day. It was estimated that there were 60 million slaves in the area that Peter was writing to, about half the population And so Peter is writing something that is going to be applicable to this population. It would be remiss of him, it would be remiss of the Spirit, if he didn't address those who were in slavery of the time. So a very pertinent subject then and now is most of us, and again the equal to that would be us who are employed. Keep in mind in an area such as this when relationships are discussed They are ranks of leadership, not ranks of favor of God. 
And so the, there is a rank of leadership as far as the master and the rank of leadership, or uh, well, rank as far as the slave. But nobody is more important in the sight of God. And the idea is, is unity in this area which engulfs our lives. I mean, just consider how many hours a person puts into his job. How many hours that person is away from home? How many hours that person is away from his loved ones? How many hours that person is away from things that maybe he likes to do, but understands what he needs to do? And so our occupations take up a tremendous amount of our time. But also our occupations are one of the most fertile opportunities for witnessing the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible addresses it, because again, this thing that takes up the majority of our time, and we've been called to be witnesses, there's going to be prime opportunity here. And so we all must consider the opportunity that we have as far as on the job. In making this section of Scripture applicable to our lives, regardless of the situation that you are in at work, there, well... Think of the extreme. And, and each of these areas of submission that we're, being, that we're talking about, if you have a job that is unfair, if you have a boss that is overbearing, now again, you've got an advantage here. You can quit and get another job. But again, the difference that we are to be is going to be seen in a greater light the, the, what I'm, my point is, is that the worse the boss is, the greater opportunity that I have for submission. The harder the job is, or the more demanding the job is, the greater opportunity that I have to be that example. And also, since I get a paycheck, if I don't like it, I can quit. I can renegotiate. I can go somewhere else and get a better job. But nonetheless, <clears throat> what is it that Christ is calling us to? Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because again, upon the cross, he gave all. And what is he asking of you? He's asking of you to give all. To live a life that is worthy of Christ. As Christ died upon the cross, are you willing to die to yourself for the purpose of the gospel? Because again, as we're unsubmitted, that's going to go contrary to God's plan. It's going to go contrary to, well, in the job arena, it's going to go contrary to the business. And that's going to shut off the opportunity for the gospel. So the first thing I see here is that a servant is to be submissive to his master or an employee to his employer. To submit to employer is to place yourself in the proper position in God's sight. As a Christian, this means to do what God has called you to do in a manner that glorifies him. Now, even the world will refer to their occupation as a calling. I heard somebody else, I can't remember where, but use that term in a way apart from God. It's like, well, who do you think is calling you? I mean, when I defined myself before I became a pastor, I defined myself, what do you do? Well, I'm an electrician. I, didn't, I, I don't think I ever said, well, I do electrical work. It's like, I'm an electrician. Or I'm a, and again, you fill in the blank, and now I'm a pastor. We so identify with that. What we do becomes such a great part of who we are. And if it becomes such a great part of who we are, how much more so should we be displaying Christ through that? Again, we need to see the opportunity that we have in this work of ministry through the calling from God that he has given us. Those who don't work, don't eat. 
And it's a biblical concept, but it's also a physical reality that in this economy, and Christ condoned it, that I need to have a job, I need to earn a living, and I need to put the time in. But as I do that, I have to see the mission field that is there. I was going to Home Depot once, and we were doing something here, and I was getting some supplies. This was quite a few years ago. And there was a guy in the parking lot, and I was getting out of my car, and I noticed he, was, he had some literature he was passing out, so I thought, okay, he's either a Christian. It was around Christmas time. He's either a Christian, or he, maybe he's a you know, cult or, or whatever. And so I, I approached him, and how you doing? And he, he just kind of went past me, and I'm thinking, I'm not worth being evangelized. But he had been talking to somebody, and he kind of ran over and caught back up with me. And, and we were talking, and he, he described himself as being a Christian. He wasn't part of the cults that we know of, although it was kind of strange. He told me I was in sin because I had a job. And, and the idea was is that I wasn't trusting in Jesus Christ because I, I worked. And I, I just makes, you know, you get somebody like this and they take these little portions of scripture and they hold on to them without the rest of what, you know, is presented to us in the Bible. And, and so the job, a job, regardless of pastor or electrician, it was given to me by God. And it was also given to my wife. My job was given to my wife and it was given to my children for their provision. This was God's manner of him providing for our food, providing for our home. And God has given us so much. God has given you so much through your occupation. And we need to thank God and we need to rejoice in God for that. But we also need to hold it valuable. As God has given to me, how in the midst of my occupation am I able to give back to God? Understanding you'll never be able to completely repay him full value for what God gives. But nonetheless, as an obedient servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, how is it that I'm able to give back to God in my occupation? Well, again, where are the opportunities in your workplace? Where is it that you're able to... Now, I know some workplaces where you're not allowed to evangelize or, you know, the, to stop somebody else from working for the purpose of evangelizing them is not going to be honorable before your boss. But again, picking and choosing the opportunities, not for debate, not for arguing, but just simply to share the gospel. Because again, if this is such a big part of our lives, and it is, we need to be of the mindset of using it for God's glory. And so our job, our job is to submit to the boss and to follow through in what the, the orders are, if you will, that we have been given and to do them to the best of our ability, to be the best employee that we possibly can, to stand out even from the others. A boss's job is to determine what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. And as we come together, as we're obedient to our callings, because we will look at a job of the boss here in just a little bit as well, or the responsibility of the boss in just a little bit. But as we're both doing our parts, then especially as believers, then that business will thrive. And if you're part of a thriving business, maybe the reason that you're part of a thriving business is because God's blessed it because of your presence in it if you're obedient to what God has called you to do. And so again, we've been given this awesome opportunity in so many different areas to represent Lord God of the universe. How are you doing? How are you doing in the workplace? Do your fellow workers even know that you're a born-again believer? Is there something different about you than, than everybody else? 
it was hard when I first got saved because going, you know, especially in construction sites and it was pretty much agreed upon. It was just kind of a general unspoken rule in construction. The first person on the job gets to set the radio station, you know, and so there was back in the day when I was in, it was the Howard Stern thing and all this vileness that was always going on. Construction workers, they don't have the cleanest of speech either. As a matter of fact, I was part of that at one point in my life. But God, as he saved us and he has cleansed us in these things, he enables us to go back into these areas to be different. And there's, you know, it should be the easiest thing for a Christian to do in the workplace to be different. Because, again, the more vile it is, the better opportunity that you have to show them the change that Christ has worked in your life. And so what we see here is, is that employee, back in verse 18, is to be submissive. But also an employee is to be respectful. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, to the ones who are difficult, the ones who maybe you don't agree with or are contrary to your way of thinking. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1-2, through 2, it says, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not not be blasphemed and those who have believing masters let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather serve them because uh, because those who are benefited are believers and beloved teach and exhort these things and again the term fear to have a fear means to have a respect for them this means to have an honorable and respectful personality that makes a person anxious to please to be well pleasing on my job site again to fulfill the description that has been given to me to the best of my ability number one you have a responsibility to do that if you're taking the check and you're cashing it Because I would imagine every person here on the day that you were hired, you sat down. You talked about the job. They told you what was expected of you, and you basically agreed to what you were willing to give. You negotiated a price. Maybe it wasn't the price that you wanted, but nonetheless, you still negotiated a wage. As they said, well, this pays so and such and such amount of money. And you said, okay, that was the negotiation. Or maybe you said, I need a little bit more. Maybe you said you need a little bit less, but I doubt if you said that. But once you came to that agreement, you were entering in, if you will, in the sight of God to a contract. And it's at that point that you had a responsibility, because again, you agreed to work for however many hours, to give it your best to do your all. And again, in the sight of God, when given the opportunity to be a witness, but also to do what I've been called to do to the best of my ability. I, as an electrician, I was a contractor. I had employees, and it was a hard thing, especially in contracting, the nature of the business. A lot of times you're sending people out, and you're not able to supervise them. I had one person that I found out after um, I let him go, but I found out that as I would send him out to a job, he was going out and having breakfast. One of the wholesale, my suppliers, told me, hey, I saw so-and-so out at this particular place. He was having breakfast at the other day. Are you guys slow? And it's like, no, we're real busy. And so the next day when I sent him out, I went over to that place, and there he was having breakfast. That wasn't part of the agreement. And we let him go because that just was dishonorable, not just to the job, not just to the 
what the business needed to achieve, but for the other employees as well. The sad part about it was he was a Christian and I wasn't at the time. And he's just like, I don't think I need any more of those kinds of people here. And he dishonored God or or blasphemed God. I've had bosses that were the same way, not believers, but unbelievers when I was a believer. And I can remember this one boss yelling from his um, office. And I hate that I even remember what he said. And I won't even allude to it because I don't want to implant that in your brain. But just blaspheming the Lord in the most vile way. And it's like, this is what I've got to submit to. And it's true. That's what I've got to submit to. If God's calling you out, then then follow the Lord and follow what he's calling you to do. But other than that, I am to honor and to respect the master. I'm to honor and respect the employer. This is an outward act that will set you apart and so that others may see you as an illustration of God's will in that particular manner. The next logical response of a Christian to his employer is to exhibit sincerity, loyalty, and wholeheartedness verses 19 through 21, for this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults that you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps." The idea is, whatever the task you have been given to perform, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're making these Christmas trees the last couple of, of days, and just thinking, I'm tired. I'm 61 years old. These things are getting to be pretty hard to do anymore. You know, these little projects. At home, I sit down and my knees are aching and and whatever, and then come the next day and just not really feeling like doing it. But then again, you need to think, who am I doing it for? You know, whatever it is that, you know, there's people serving the Lord. There's people in children's ministry right now. There's people who prepare hospitality, and there's people who have cleaned, and, 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 you know, just just the list is long, and I'll probably forget even some people that that are serving, you know, parking ministry and high school ministry and such and so forth. What do we do these things for? We're doing them for that which reaps eternal benefits, doing it all for Jesus. And if we are truly doing it for Jesus, ought we not to do it as unto Jesus, you know, truly understanding that it's as if Christ is there and I'm offering him the, the, the fruits of my labor. I'm offering him the results of my energy. That God, this is for you. And Father, whatever it is that we offer him, Father, just use it for your glory. However it is that you make the determination that it needs to be used. Lord, I give you this day of, of work. I thank you, Father, that you have chosen to provide for my family through this occupation. And Lord, the boss has been a little hard. The work's been a little tough, whatever it might be. But Father, you have given me this job. May I be the type of person that gives it back to you, gives it back to you in fulfilling what you have called me to do. Give this back to you that I would glorify you, Father. Give this back to you that when you give me the opportunity to share or to live the word, that, Father, I would take that opportunity and I would give honor to you. Understanding, Lord, that the submitting to my boss, 
Well, as I submit to my boss, because you have commanded me to do so, I'm in actuality submitting to you. And so just doing it all to the Lord Jesus Christ, as if Christ was sitting, standing, walking, whatever it is next to you. And we have to be of that mindset because fatigue so easily enters in or routine enters in or whatever it might be. But Lord, help us to be a people who continue to push forward. And so how do you know when you've accomplished this attitude of a servant when they treat you like one and your response is joy? When you're treated like a slave and your response your response is, thank you, Lord, because this is the opportunity that I have to stand above and beyond everybody else. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Do it for all of your worth. Don't allow your job just to be a means of making money. Don't allow your job just to be a time of, well, I've got to work for 40 years or whatever, and then I can finally retire. Be focused upon what God has set you to do that day. Thank God for it. Value it. Because God does. I mean, again, this is a gift that God has given to you. Use it for his glory with all of your might. This is to know that our reward does not come Friday afternoon in that paycheck. Does anybody still get paychecks here anymore? A a literal, physical paycheck? Or do you, how many people still get a physical check? At the, not too many people. Everybody else, I assume, is like direct deposit. Yeah, that, that's the common way. But you get the point here. Um, just be a, an obedient servant and understanding that a reward comes from God. Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Now, again, the employees, we've got to look at the employers and you can kind of see it kind of the the opposite way. A Christian employer who wants to know if he's a boss in God's will, well, the thing to ask, are you someone who an employee is able to be obedient to? Because again, as a boss, you can so easily just start barking orders and looking at people as pawns to finish the job, whatever it might be. Am I somebody as an employee that people are, be, are able, as a Christian employer, that an employee is able to be obedient to? Am I somebody that an employee is able to be respectful of? My father was a type A personality. My father was very successful in his business. And I, I never worked for my dad because I'm not, like, insane. But um, I had to live with him. That was enough. Um, but he would have me, he had a machine shop, and he was an engineer, and he'd have me come over and, and wire machines. And I remember I went over one time, and I, I was standing there. They were getting me some information, and this guy was talking. He goes, are you Hank's son? And it's like, yeah. And he goes, wow how did you live with him all your life? And it's like, oh, well, whatever. Um, and then my sister went to work for him, and she came. I was talking to her one day, and she says, Dad is an absolute tyrant at work. Now, he was a man who got things done. He didn't take guff off of anybody. He was like that as a father, and apparently he was like that as an employer. But I need to not 
just walk over people for the, um, again, as an employer, walk over people for the success of what we're trying to accomplish. As a Christian, I need to be somebody, I'm going to need to be stern at times, need to be direct at all times for the most part, but still I've got to be somebody who are able to be respectful of. I don't respect anybody that just flies off the handle. There was one coach, Bobby Knight. He was a basketball coach for Indiana, and they just had some kind of uh, um, documentary on him. He's retired, and he's no co- coaching, not coaching any longer. But he would just go flying off the handle, and I'm thinking, who in the world would want to play for such a person? But then on the other end, you've got John Wooden. John Wooden was a born-again believer. And John Wooden was a man who shared his faith subtly but directly. And he was a man who understood that character was more important than, than raising up basketball players because what he was doing is he was molding and raising up men. And he was the most successful coach, that college coach, that ever lived. And it was just amazing to read. I read his uh, autobiography, and it was just like, man, I, I never really played basketball a few years in high school, but if I did, I'd want to play for somebody like that somebody that you're able to look up to, somebody that you're able to have respect for. As an employer, is your business one that that a man or a woman can hold in sincerity of heart as unto Christ, that they can do their job as unto Christ? Are you, as an employer, someone who an employee is able to be loyal to, that you're fair in your dealings with all the employees? As an employer, have you fostered a business that achieves the will of God in the lives of all? And the number one way to do that is, do you cover your business in prayer? Do you cover your employees, whether born again or not? Do you pray for them? You need to bring the Lord to the best of your ability into your managing skills. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that we're able, only through the Holy Spirit, that we're able to fulfill what God desires for us to do. And again, remember when God commands submission of one of his people to another, he places the equal or greater responsibility on the submitted party. So as a boss, if he's commanding these employees, especially if they're born-again believers, to submit to me, I had better be. God's going to put this um, responsibility upon me of being somebody that they're able to submit to that I would not cause my brother or my sister to stumble. Verse 23, speaking of Jesus, verse 22 actually, speaking of Jesus, now he's holding Jesus obviously here as the ultimate example. Jesus who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. So he never did anything that was worthy of the punishment that he got. It says, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously for who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And the idea is like, wow, Christ did that for me. Christ, God, Lord God of the universe, came down and allowed his creation to abuse him, allowed his creation, because of their sinful hearts and their sinful minds, to do these things to him because he understood the value of the greater good, of the salvation of all of mankind. 
Now God has called you to go out into the world. He's called you as a child of God, an adopted child into his family, to go out there amongst those who are not currently part of his family, those who are in the world, and allow yourself even to be abused, wrong done to you, and keep in proportion to that. Nobody's going to crucify you, nail you to a cross. They're probably not going to even spit on you. They doubt if they'll whip you. They'll just maybe talk about you. But he's called you to do that for the purpose of the salvation of others as well. And the idea is, are you a willing servant? Are you a willing servant? Because, see, I I, I said that as far as your job, you get a paycheck, but that's not the point. The point is you are a slave. You're a slave to your master, and your master is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you follow through in these things, you're being honorable before your Lord. If we're not, then we're being dishonorable before the Lord. And the good thing about the Lord Jesus Christ, he always allows us to repent and to go in his good direction. (laughs) Hear that shrieking out there? (laughs) Verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray. You remember what we used to be? We were aimless. We were just out there. Sheep, Sheep aren't very smart, and they just directed by their senses, and a lot of times they'll wander into... uh, the wander into trouble. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So ultimately, my boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has put somebody as my boss in the particular position that he has for his reasons and purposes, but nonetheless, as I submit myself in the workplace, whether an employer or an employee, I am doing so as unto Jesus Christ. And again, this mission field where the majority of the people spend the majority of their times, uh, time, there's opportunity in it. God, give us a heart and give us eyes to see the opportunity that we have. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word and, and, Father, how it enters into the details of our lives. And as it does enter into the details of our lives, we have direction, Father, as far as what you have set before us and what you expect of us. And, Father, I pray for those who are here today. Lord, we just thank you for this past Thanksgiving, able to spend time with family and friends. I pray that we would finish this weekend well, that we would look forward to this Christmas season and the opportunities that arise there. But I pray, Father, specifically for tomorrow. A lot of us left situations and circumstances at work that we'll be entering in tomorrow. I pray, Father, that you would show us how we are to be the best witness. Lord, this area is a hard one because we're so quick to complain and we're so quick to point out how unfair those you've either placed over us or under us are. But, Lord, we see the, how unjust your crucifixion was. And so, Father, I pray that we would truly be a people who die to ourselves. So, Lord, once again, we just lift ourselves to you, that you would fill us with your spirit, and in all areas of submission, that you would enable us, Father, that we would live lives that glorify you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all stand, please? All right, ladies, I still have a ticket, so... I'm going to be there, <laughs> and I'm putting my ticket in for the raffle as well. And so you know if I win, it was probably rigged. But anyway, um, tonight we are not going to be having service. We're taking tonight off. We will continue our Sunday evening service a week from tonight. So 
Um, we will not be here tonight. We go back to our regular schedule this coming week, Thursday. Well, Wednesday morning, we're having our men's study. We've been having a men's study for quite a few years now. We have breakfast that we serve at 6.30, and the study starts at 7. We've got about, I don't know, Sal, how many? About 20, 25? Yeah, about 22 guys that come very regularly from about three or four churches, and it's just really a blessing. So men, I encourage you to come out and to, and to join us. We're currently going through 1 Corinthians. Uh, Thursday night, we're continuing on in Mark. We'll be back in First Peter next Sunday. Next Sunday night, we're going through the last book of the Bible that we need to teach before we've been through the whole Bible in Second Chronicles. God bless you guys. Have a great day.
Amen. There'll be a couple up here for prayer. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.